So I think the world can be divided up into two types of people. The people who share on Facebook or social media and the people who don't. Um, a fun fact, I recently checked my Facebook page and realized that Facebook doesn't know that we're a family of four because there is no photographic evidence of my daughter. And, and part of me is okay with that. I, I am okay um, keeping my stuff to myself, but still like looking at everyone else's stuff. And, and I think that's often how uh, we view the Christian life. We're fine to input opinions and, and look at other people's stuff. But when it comes to our life, our relationship with the Lord, mm, that's, a, that's a private matter. Uh, however, the Christian faith is not something that you do in isolation. Uh, there is a, a corporate or a, a group dynamic to it, and that's what we're going to talk about this evening. We're going to look at the Christian community as explained in the Apostles' Creed and, and why it's so important for us to be a part of it. Uh, so, start with what our community is. A and and according to the creed, we're part of the Holy Catholic Church. That's right. You are all, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Catholic. That's, of course, clickbait, though, right? Because when the Apostles' Creed uses the word Catholic, it's not referring to the Roman Catholic Church. That wasn't even a thing back then. Uh, Catholic means universal. And, and so all we're saying is that all believers, past, present, and future, from all places, are part of the one universal or Catholic church. And one of the results of being part of this heavenly assembly is that you will be part of a local church, uh, like Providence, for example. A and that sounds a little confusing, but the Bible actually talks about church in these two different ways. Uh, it talks about Jesus building his church, referring to the church universal, but then it also speaks to specific churches, like in Revelations 2 and 3, where it talks about uh, Ephesus and Laodicea. And, and so, so here's the best way I can explain the relationship, and, and it's actually to talk about faith and works, right? So when we accept Jesus as our Savior and King, we have saving faith. But faith by itself is dead, right? Faith results in works, right? And so these works then don't save us, but they do confirm or prove that we have saving faith. It's like what we talked about in James over the summer, right? So if we substitute the universal church um, for faith and we substitute a local church for works, it's the same concept, right? When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are included in the church universal, that, that one heavenly assembly. But, but being in this assembly will result in a desire to be a member in a local church, right? If you claim to be in this, but have no interest in this, uh, something, something might be off there. Because uh, inclusion in a local church doesn't save you, doesn't include you in the universal church, but it does confirm that you're there. Um, and, and so here's why that's so important. Here's why membership in the church is so important. It's because Jesus came to save his body, the church. Uh, li listen to how Paul puts it uh, in, in Ephesians uh, 5, 25-27. So he's talking about to husbands and wives, but he gives us some interesting truths here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Do you see what Paul's saying? That Jesus came and gave himself for the church so that he might cleanse her, sanctify her, and make her holy. That is what he is doing for his church, which is why it's very important that we be a part of it. And the one tasked with accomplishing all this, the community builder, if you will, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, He is the community builder. Now, uh, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, uh, and in a sense, he is the most confusing and and mysterious. Ask someone off the street what they think the Holy Spirit is like, and if they know what you're even talking about, they will probably have an image a lot like the Force in Star Wars. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a, a, a faceless, impersonal force that, that kind of holds the universe together, um, which is not what Scripture says. But the waters get even muddier uh, whenever churches overemphasize the Holy Spirit or, frankly, just ignore him. A- and so here, let's cut a center line. Uh, the Holy Spirit has the same nature as God the Father and God the Son, and yet he is a distinct person. And he is the one who is at work in the world and specifically in the lives of believers. And so it's his task to shape you into the image of Christ, to sanctify you if we're using the Ephesians 5 language. And it's important that we understand what that entails. Um, See, this is not a minor renovation. The Holy Spirit is not trying to make you a little better than you were before Jesus. Uh, Here's how C.S. Lewis describes the Spirit's work in his book, Mere Christianity. Imagine yourself as a living house. So God comes in to rebuild that house, and at first, you know, perhaps you understand what he's doing. Uh, And he's getting the drains right, he's stopping up the leaks in the roof, and so on. And you knew that those jobs needed to be done, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, and does not seem to make any sense. Like, what on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he's building a palace. See, God is not interested in making you into a better version of you. He is interested in making you like his son. And so the Holy Spirit does this in and to the Holy Catholic Church. And there are many tools that the Spirit uses, but, but for the remainder of our time, I want to look at a specific tool that the Creed emphasizes, and it's called the communion of saints. This is the tool of the Holy Spirit, which is just a fancy way of saying other Christians. And this idea really goes against American individualism. No longer do we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, but we actually need each other. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 speaks about it like this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Your relationship with other believers, specifically those in your church, have an effect on you. They should encourage you and spur you on to pursue Jesus and be like him. Now, I, I, I don't go on runs. I don't get the point, uh, but, but I have spent time with runners, and I've learned two things. One, I made the correct decision not being a runner. But two, 
that if you run, you want to run with someone. Because running with another person will challenge you to push yourself, to keep going when things get difficult, and you will go much farther than you would on your own. See, the Holy Spirit uses each of us to sharpen the other and ourselves in the process. And, and there's several ways that this can play out in your life, like in your small group. But, but here's a good metric that, that I found has worked well in my own life. I'll call it the 131 network. This is not a biblical command. It's simply taking some principles from Scripture and applying it to relationships. Um, and the idea is that you always have one person in front of you who you can learn from, who, who can speak into your life, who you can imitate. You have one or two people beside you who are in a similar stage of life that is running the race with you. And then you have someone behind you, someone that you are pouring into, like the person ahead of you is pouring into you. And you can certainly have more of any of these types of relationships, but these three types seem to be important tools that the Holy Spirit uses to build us into the people we're to be. But here's what you're going to find as you get close to people. None of us in this room are saints. Uh, we are all still works in progress. And that means that we will hurt each other and disappoint each other. And that's why the last line of the creed that we're going to look at tonight is so important. The forgiveness of sins. Uh, I want you to hear what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 1, starting in verse 8. He says, If we ha say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation, that is, he turned away God's wrath for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, there is no elitism here. None of us should ever interact with someone in the foyer or hear someone's struggles in small group and think, ah, I'm better than you. Uh, we believe that we are all sinners who have all fallen short of the glory of God, which means that we are all forgiven, not based on our good works, but by God's grace. And when we struggle with this, and we all do, this is why we have to declare to ourselves that we all have sinned, but because of Jesus and his advocacy before the Father, we can believe in the forgiveness of sins for ourselves and for others. So here's the point. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and King, your faith is personal, but it is not private. You are part of the church. This is your family. This is who you are. And I want to challenge you to embrace it, to lean into your identity. And we do that by working with the Holy Spirit rather than, than working against him or just sitting back passively expecting him to do all the work. And we'll say much more about that in our next series. Uh, we do this by prioritizing our Christian community. It's, it's important that you're engaged and involved in things like youth group, your small group, uh, one through one network, Sunday morning workshops, etc. Not just so that the Holy Spirit can work on you, but so that he can also use you to help sharpen others. And we also do this by being patient with ourselves and with others. Giving thanks for and extending forgiveness of sins. This is why it's so important that we believe in the community that God is building.